Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is The Surge Effect, and I'm your host, Mike Surge. This podcast will be talking about anything and everything, life in general to current events and past events, and all things about this beautiful and wonderful world that we live in. And this podcast, well, it'll probably have an effect on you. Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of The Surge Affect. Uh, it's been a little while since I posted my last podcast. I've uh, been busy with life and doing other things, uh, just trying to get more things organized to uh, to put out a new podcast uh, information. Um, I think I mentioned on my last podcast I was going to do uh, the one on censorship with uh, Robert F. Kennedy and uh, the House Committee are doing uh, questions and uh, on him, and um, we're going to get into that right shortly. First, I want to mention two sponsors of today's video. First sponsor is Love My Legs Own Sound Gray Bruce. You click on their link below in this video description, and you will go right to their website, and you will see what Love My Legs Own Sound Gray Bruce has to offer. They have three different styles of waistbands. And they are the only lifetime guarantee in the business. So head on over to their site and check them out. Next uh, sponsor is He Shirts, She Shirts. Once again, click on the link below in the description. Head on over to their site and check out what they have to offer. Because they are more than just a t-shirt company. They offer all different types of clothing. Okay? So head on over to He Shirts, She Shirts. And love my legs. Okay, so like I said, the podcast today is on censorship. So before I get rolling on the whole censorship thing, first I want to uh, read you uh, a little bit about uh, censorship and what it um, what it means. If you didn't know, um, so what is censorship? Censorship refers to the suppression, control, or restriction of information, ideas, or artistic expression by individuals, organizations, governments, or authorities. It involves a deliberate act of limiting or prohibiting the dissemination of certain content, often due to concerns about its potential impact on society, morality, security, or political stability. Censorship can take various forms, including media censorship. This involves controlling the content disseminated through various media channels, such as television, radio, print publications, and the Internet. Governments or organizations might censor content to control public opinion, protect national security, or maintain cultural norms. Artistic censorship. Artistic expression, individual visual arts, literature, music, and films can be subject to censorship. Authorities might restrict or ban certain artists' work if they are deemed offensive, controversial, or subversive. Internet censorship. Governments or institutions may block or restrict access to certain websites, social media platforms, or online content, just like they did with Bill C-11 here in Canada. They've done it already, and it's already began. So this can be done to control the flow of information, prevent the spread of false information, or suppress dissent. Book censorship. Books 
and other written materials may be censored to control the information available to the public. This can involve removing or altering content that is considered objectionable or inappropriate political censorship in some cases. Censorship is used to control political dissent or opposition, and governments might censor content critical of their policies or leaders to maintain power and control. Any of this stuff sound familiar so far? How about religious censorship? Certain religions or cultural groups may seek to censor content that contradicts their belief or values. Self-censorship. Individuals or creators may engage in self-censorship by withholding certain opinions or ideas to avoid backlash, negative consequences, or controversy. Censorship often raises complex ethical or moral questions about the balance between freedom of expression and the potential harms that certain content can cause. While some argue that censorship is necessary to protect society from harmful influences or maintain order, others emphasize the importance of free speech and the exchange of diverse ideas as a fundamental to democratic societies and intellectual growth. The extent of censorship can vary widely across different countries and cultural contexts and debates. Surrounding its merits and drawbacks continue to shape discussions on individual rights, social norms, and the role of authorities in regulating information and expression. Now, a couple of times in there you heard the word freedom. So what is freedom? Freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is a fundamental human right that grants individuals the liberty to express their thoughts, opinions, beliefs, and ideas without censorship or interference or punishment by the government or other authorities. This right is typically protected by laws, constitutions, and international human rights agreements in many democratic societies. The concept of freedom of speech encompasses various forms of expression, including spoken words, written communication, artistic creation, and even symbolic actions. It is a cornerstone of democracy and is essential for the functioning of an open and informed society by allowing people to voice their perspectives and engage in public discourse. Freedom of speech fosters diversity of thought and promotes a healthy debate environment and encourages the discovery of new ideas. So, with that all being said, do you get the idea that uh, in regards to freedom and, of course, censorship and how it can affect you tremendously? All right. So, with that being said, let the freedom and censorship thing sink in a little bit, and we're going to go to the first uh, video. This is of uh, Jim Jordan, who's the chair of this committee, and Jim Jordan first... Um, explains a little bit about what the FBI has done, and um, we'll go from here. We'll uh, have a little listen, and uh, I'll just throw in my, my two cents worth here every once in a while. The FBI helped censor our second witness, Ms. Morris's story, her story in the New York Post about emails on the Hunter Biden laptop. And we know the FBI censored her because of work this committee has done to uncover what happened and because of our third witness, Mr. Sauer, the lawsuit that he argued on behalf of Florida, excuse me, Louisiana and Missouri in federal court in a case that 
They got the amazing ruling from on July 4th, just two weeks ago. You go back to, in the course of that investigation, course of that lawsuit from Missouri and Louisiana, Joel Roth, former head of site integrity at Twitter, in his sworn declarations, brought out in that lawsuit, in his sworn declaration in front of the Federal Elections Commission, he said this, during weekly meetings, federal law enforcement agencies communicated that they expected hack and leak operations before the 2020 presidential election, likely in October. These expectations discussed throughout 2020, were discussed throughout 2020. I also learned in these meetings that a hack and leak operation would involve Hunter Biden. Now think about it. Weekly meetings throughout 2020, hack and leak operation in October involving Hunter Biden. Five key things they pointed out throughout that year. And guess what? It all happens. It happens just like they predicted. Go for, how did they know? How did they know it was going to happen like that? Because they had the laptop. They had, they had the laptop for 10 months before Mrs. Morris's story on October 14th. Her story breaks that day. That same day, October 14, 2020, Twitter meets with the FBI, specifically the Foreign Influence Task Force at the FBI. Later that same day, again, the day her story comes out, Facebook also meets with the FBI. The head of the Foreign Influence Task Force now is Laura Demlo, and this committee interviewed her just three days ago. And what an interesting interview that was. We asked her about these meetings. She stated in the first meeting, the FBI and Twitter, in that first meeting, she said someone from Twitter asked, is the laptop real? They asked the fundamental question. That story had broke. It was big news. Twitter asked the FBI. They're right there in front of them. They've been prepping them for a year. They asked the FBI, is the laptop real? Ms. Dimelow conveyed to the committee this week. An FBI agent answered, yes, it is. Another FBI agent a lawyer very quickly followed up with no further comment. So again, here's the scenario. The story breaks. Twitter's meeting with FBI later that same day. Someone from Twitter asks, is this story real? Is the laptop real? The FBI answers yes. And then quickly followed by, again, all this conveyed by Ms. Demlow, the FBI lawyer says no further comment. In the later meeting with Facebook, again that same day, the FBI was asked the same question, and this time, the FBI gets her story straight. Ms. Demlow is the only one who comments, and she says, no comment. Obviously, by the second meeting, the FBI had coordinated, and she conveyed this in her deposition, that they had deliberated what were they were going to respond when that question was asked. So think about this. After being repeatedly told a hack and leak Russian info operation is coming, for a whole year, it arrives on October 14th in the form of Ms. Morris's story, an accurate story, our government knows the laptop is real, they know it's not a Russian information op, and they know the story is true, but when directly asked, they say no comment. And of course, Ms. Morris's story is censored. Visibility filtered, the term that the tech companies use. No, you can't direct message, you can't send it. Keeping the American people from valuable information just days before the most important election we have, election for commander-in-chief, election for the presidency of the United States. Also remember that they, there's a, a poll out there that a lot of people, a majority of the people that voted for Biden would not have voted for Biden if this information would have been out. So tell me if that's not election interference right off the hop, right?
why Miss Morris is here today. She, know what, she knows what it's like to, to be censored. It's why Louisiana and Missouri filed the case. It's why Mr. Sauer argued the case. And frankly, it's why Mr. Kennedy is running for president. It's to stop. Help us expose and stop what's going on. This alliance, big government pressuring private entities to censor Americans. I think in Ms. Morris's testimony, which I read this morning, big tech, big government working together, big media working all together to censor American speech. So we look forward to your testimony over the next few hours. So Ms. Morris is a reporter, and she's just young. Uh, she's like 27, 28, so in that ballpark. Don't, don't quote me on that, but it's in that ballpark, she's less than 30. Anyway, she wrote the story about Hunter Biden, and she was censored. So you're going to hear from her in a minute because she's, she's going to be uh, speaking here in a second. Now, this next video that I have, uh, keep in mind that this hearing is on censorship. And they're literally, the Democrats literally are putting a motion to the floor to take a vote on censoring them from speaking today. Check it out. It's just, <laughs> you just can't make this shit up. I'd like to raise a point of order. Lady, you state a point of order. Point of order, pursuant to House Rule 11, Clause 2, which Mr. Kennedy is violative of, I move that we remove into executive session because Mr. Kennedy has repeatedly made despicable anti-Semitic and anti-Asian comments as recently as last week. Rule 11, Clause 2 says, whenever it is asserted by a member of the committee that the evidence or testimony at a hearing may tend to defame, degrade, or incriminate any person, or it is asserted by a witness that the evidence or testimony that the witness would give at a hearing may tend to defame, degrade, or incriminate the witness, and it goes on. Mr. Kennedy, uh, among many other things, has said, I know a lot now about bioweapons. We put out hundreds of millions of dollars in, into ethnically targeted microbes. The Chinese have done the same thing. In fact, COVID-19, there is an argument that it is ethnically targeted. COVID-19 attacks certain races disproportionately. The races that are most immune to COVID-19 are... Is the lady making a motion or a speech? I, <laughs> I've made a motion to move into executive session because Mr. Mr. Kennedy's testimony... Mr. Chairman, I move to table the motion. The gentleman from Kentucky has moved to table. Question is on the motion to table. Mr. Chairman, I vote on the, on the motion to table. Well, let me ask the question. The question is on the motion to table. The gentlelady has asked for a roll call vote. The clerk will, will have to... So they're going to take a vote. And uh, we'll just kind of speed up that little process, um, get to the next clip, and you'll see that the what happened was they did not uh, they did not achieve what they wanted to achieve in regards to the vote. Um, so therefore, it wasn't in the closed session, and they didn't close the censorship meeting down um, because they were voted down. Report, Mr. Chairman. There are ten ayes and eight noes. Uh, the motion to table is agreed to. We will now move to our second witness, uh, Ms. Morris. You are recognized for. So here's young lady, Ms. Morris, the reporter. This is this is classic stuff. Thank you. Thanks so much for inviting me. Um, my name is Emma Jo Morris, uh, politics editor at Breitbart. Um, I'm here today because I published a series of news stories three years ago in October of 2020 about Hunter Biden's now infamous laptop, also known as the laptop from hell, uh, which is seen as some of the most scandalous reporting of the last decade. 
Um, what was more scandalous than the reporting itself, though, was the fact that it exposed the unholy alliance between the intelligence community, social media platforms, and legacy media outlets. At the time, I was deputy politics editor at the New York Post, and um, my reporting showed that despite then-candidates Joe Biden's repeated and furious denials, he was apparently involved in the foreign business deals of his family. Over several days, just weeks before Americans would vote for their next president, I revealed verified authentic emails from the Biden Scions hard drive showing Ukrainian business partners receiving leaks from the Obama White House. I documented an off-the-books meeting between then-Vice President Biden and a Ukrainian energy executive and introduced the world to the big guy um, who got action on a deal with CEFC, China Energy Company. The Post published exactly how the material for the reporting was obtained, even identifying our sources, um, as well as a federal subpoena showing the FBI was in possession of the material the story was based on and had been since December of 2019. Um, but when the stories appeared on social media that morning, the venue where millions of Americans go to find their news and editors to get their angles, uh, within hours the reporting was censored on all major platforms on the basis of being called hacked or Russian disinformation. Um, Twitter refused to allow users to share the link to the stories, banned the links from being shared in private messages, a policy, by the way, that's used to clamp down on child porn um, and lock the post out of its verified account. Facebook said it would curb distribution and reach of the links on its platform. However, the stories were not based on hacked materials, nor were they Russian disinformation, and despite those claims appearing to come out of thin air at the time, we would eventually learn that they actually didn't come out of thin air at all. On October 19th, five days after the Post began publishing, Politico ran a story headlined, Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former Intel officials say. God, I can't even say that with a straight face, you know? <laughs> Politico prints. <laughs> this is how hilarious it is, right? This young lady actually wrote the story. She was censored by all mainstream media, and they basically said that, you know, it's not true. They censored it, and she came to say it with a straight face because she knows the information that she had pulled forward, the factual information. She knows it to be true, what she, what she wrote on. She a letter completely uncritically from veteran members of the U.S. intelligence community falsely claiming that the post-expose has, quote, all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. My God. And keep in mind, they did this for four years. Four years. And right now, Trump is going through a shitstorm in the States with all these indictments and people are like, and, and they got all this information on the Biden family. And, and they're like, oh, well, there, there's no information on the Bidens. There's just, there's just no information. They got no, no evidence. It's like, are you shitting me? This story here, the Russian infor, uh, collusion thing went on for four years. Zero evidence. Just talk. A lot of talk. That's how fucked up stuff is in the States. In the world, for that matter. <laughs> Most notable among the signatories of that letter were Jim Clapper from former DNI, Michael Hayden, former CIA, John Brennan, former CIA. Despite having such damaged credibility following their participation in the Russia collusion conspiracy theory. Yeah, the ones that she just read, 51 people 
all high officials signed a document saying that that yeah that that laptop is is probably like you know Russian disinformation, and Biden even used it against Trump when they were when they went against each other in for 2020 um, in the debates. So that, in a nutshell, is what transpired with uh, with her story. It was basically hugely hugely censored. Thank you, man. So. Anyway, so now uh, let's listen to a little bit of uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. Um, I believe he, uh, yeah, he's responding to uh, Stacey Plaskett's accusations. Um, she accused him of a bunch of stuff there, so he's just kind of doing a rebuttal against this. Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, maybe um, we could put five minutes on the clock then, not ten. Could we, could we put five on the clock and we'll start it running? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And I want to—I want to start. I want to put aside my written statement for a moment and address one of the uh, points that was brought up. I think an important point by the ranking member that this body ought to be concerning itself with the uh, with issues that impact directly the American people. The rising price of groceries, 76 percent over the past two years, were basic food stuff. Uh, the war in Ukraine, the inflation issues, the border issues, many, many other issues that concern us all as a nation. We can't do that without the First Amendment, without debate. Uh, when I gave my speech, my announcement speech in Boston uh, two months ago, YouTube, I, I talked about all those issues. I focused on grocery. I focused on the fact that working class people can no longer afford to live in this country. I talked about inflation, all the issues that deeply concern you and that you've devoted your career to alleviating those issues. Five minutes into my speech, when I was talking about Paul Revere, YouTube, deplatformed me. I didn't talk about vaccines in that speech. I didn't talk about anything that be, could be was a verboten subject. I just was talking about my campaign and things, the conversation that we ought to be having with each other as Americans. But exactly. I shut down. And that is why the First Amendment is important. Debate, congenial, respectful debate is the it's the fertilizer, it's the water, it's the sunlight for our democracy. We need to be talking to each other. Now, there, this is a letter that many of you signed, many of my fellow Democrats. I've spent my life in this party. I've devoted my life to the values of this party. This 102 people signed this. This itself is evidence of the problem that this hearing was convened to address. This is an attempt to censor a censorship hearing. The, the, the charges in this, and, and by the way, censorship is antithetical to our party. It was, it was appalling to my father, to my uncle, to FDR, to Harry Truman, to Thomas Jefferson, as the chairman referred to. It is the basis for democracy. It sets us apart from all of the previous forms of government. We need to be able to talk, and, and the First Amendment was not written for easy speech. It was written for the speech that nobody likes you for. And 
I was, I was censored not just by the Democratic administration, I was censored by the Trump administration. I was the first person censored by, the, as the chairman pointed out, by the Biden administration two days after it came into office. Anti-Semitism, racism, these are, are the most appalling, disgusting pejoratives, and they're applied to me to silence me because People don't want me to have that conversation about the war, about groceries, about inflation, about the war on the middle class in this country that we need to be having. And, and by the way, I want to say this while I'm on the record, that in my entire life, and why I'm under oath, in my entire life, I have never uttered a phrase that was either racist or anti-Semitic. I have spent my life fighting my professional career, fighting for Israel, for the protection of Israel. I have a better record on Israel than anybody in this chamber today. I'm the only person who has publicly objected to the $2 billion payout that the Biden administration is now making to Iran, which is a, is a, a genocidal program. I'm the only one who's objected to that. I fought more ferociously for Israel than anybody. But I am being censored here through this target, through, uh, through, through smears, through misinterpretations of what I've said, through lies, through association, which is a tactic that we all thought we had been discredited and dispensed with after the Army McCarthy hearings in the 1950s. But those same weapons are now being deployed against me to silence me. I know many of the people who wrote this letter. I don't believe there's a single person who signed this letter who believes I'm anti-Semitic. I do not believe that. There is no evidence of that. Now, I want to say something I think that's, that's more important, and it goes directly to what you talked about, ranking member, which is the... the the need, the, the, this toxic polarization that is destroying our country today. And how do we deal with that? We are more, this kind of division is more dangerous for our country than any time since the American Civil War. And how do we deal with that? How are we going to, every Democrat on this committee believes that we need to end that polarization. Do you think you can do that by censoring people? I'm telling you, you cannot. You, that only aggravates and amplifies the problem. We need to start being kind to each other. We need to start being respectful to each other. We need to start, start restoring the comedy to this chamber and, and, and to the rest of America. But it has to start here. My uncle, Edward Kennedy, has more legislation with his name on it than any senator in United States history. Why is that? Because he was able to reach across the aisle, because he didn't deal in insults, because he didn't try to censor people. He brought home people who were antithetical to what he believed in. He came home almost every weekend with people like Orrin Hatch to our house at the compound in Hyannisport. At that time, Orrin Hatch to me was like Darth Vader. I was an environmentalist, and I was saying, why, why is Teddy bringing this guy home? 
But he knew that he was effective because he understood that comedy and respect and kindness and compassion and empathy for other people is the way that we have the only way to restore the function in this, in this chamber. But more importantly, today we need to give an example in the leadership of our country of being respectful to each other. If you think I said something that's anti-Semitic, let's talk about the details. I'm telling you all the things that I'm accused of right now by you. And in this letter are distortions, they're misrepresentations. I didn't say those things. There's fragments that I said, but I denounce anybody who, is, who uses the words that I have said to imply something that is negative about people who are Jewish. I never said those things. And I want to point out also that the chairman pointed to Dennis Kucinich's fight behind me. There is no two people in the country who feel differently about it, more differently about American politics than these two people. <laughs> and yet they were friends. Dennis attended his children's basketball games, attended his daughter's wedding. This is what we need, how we need to start treating each other in this country. We have to stop trying to destroy each other, to marginalize, to vilify, to gaslight each other. We have to find that place inside of ourselves of light, of empathy, of compassion, and above all, we need to elevate the Constitution of the United States, which was written for hard times. And that has to be the premier compass for all of our activities. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you. Wow. That was, that was awesome. Like, and he's a Democrat, right? And you know how what's going on right now with the Democrats down in the States. It's just, it, they're crazy town right now. But this guy is bang on, right? Bang on with a lot of stuff. You got to get back to, you know, getting together, you know, getting away from divisiveness. Like Canada, you know, talk about divisiveness. Someone tried to divide the people of this country, but instead brought the people together. You know, as far as I'm concerned, it was a gift that that individual did for the citizens of this country because when people are together, we can accomplish more than when we're apart, right? So basically that's what he's trying to dis dis talk about is far, as far as uh, divisiveness goes and um, getting back to, you know, having some empathy for people and uh, you know, a bit, bit better understanding of uh, your fellow man uh, goes, a, goes a long way. So this next video... Anyway, I like him. I like Robert Kennedy. I think he's a Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I, I think he's he's right on the mark with a lot of things, and and uh, I like him. Uh, I've listened to a lot of interviews he's done, and um, I think he does a heck of, a heck of a job. So um, I believe this is uh, Robert uh, again speaking in regards to the ranking member. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and I'd like to yield my time to Representative Massey. I thank the gentleman from North Dakota. Wow, oh, the irony and cognitive dissonance from the other side of the aisle, it's deafening. You could cut it with a knife. They are at the same time denying that censorship is occurring, but suggesting that there's more material that needs to be censored. This is a hearing on censorship that began with an effort. 
with a formal motion from the other side of the to aisle censor. to censor Mr. Kennedy. It's crazy. They do not want him to speak. Yet Why? that is the topic of this hearing. They have kept him from speaking. Why? A collusion between the government and private organizations. Mr. Kennedy, in your opening statement, you um, introduced us to this word malinformation. Can you tell us more about this made-up word, what it means, and some of the uh, things that you've tr said or tried to say that you've been censored for that's been characterized as malinformation? Yes, Congressman Massey, and if, if, it, if by your leave, I'd like to just respond briefly uh, to some of the, uh, what I would call, defamations that have been uh, just applied to me by the ranking member. Uh, I'm happy to talk to you about my opinions on these issues, what you, the, what you have stated and tried to associate me with uh, through guilt by association is simply inaccurate. Virtually everything, every statement that you just made about me is inaccurate. I have never advised black Americans not to receive vaccines. At one point you say I'm anti-vax and that's a bad thing. The other thing, the <laughs> other moment you point out that all my children are vaxxed. I fact, I'm fully compliant with the vaccine schedule myself except for COVID. I, I, I took flu vaccines for 20 years straight. I have never been anti-vax. I have never told any. I have never told the public avoid vaccination. You tried to associate me a moment ago with the replacement theory, which is racist. No, I did not say you. Time belongs to the gentleman from my colleagues. Time belongs to the gentleman from. I denounced that theory. It is racist, and I have never endorsed it or had any association with it. Our film on a medical point. By the Medical way, Bill apartheid? Buxton, Bill Buxton, who is the black CDC official who ultimately exposed the Tuskegee experiment, tried for years and years to appeal to, to CDC to stop it for 40 years. Finally, he got relief by walking into my uncle's office in the building next door, Teddy held hearings, and ended the experiment. I remember that very well. And to say that that... I, I wrote a, I created a film that encourages blacks not to get adequate medical care is just completely abhorrent. If the, no, if the, use my it's the witness's time. Do not the, censor the witness. I'm not the, censoring the, the witness. It's my time and I've given it to the witness. Do not censor him. I'm if not the, censoring him. If the views that you and others have applied to me, I've attributed to me, if they were actually true, I can see why I shouldn't be able to testify here today. Yeah, they're Those super. They're super uh, attacking Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Like they attack him at every turn. Uh, stuff that he never said, stuff that's not true. And yeah, they're, like I said, they're just at a censorship meeting here, and they literally tried to take a vote to censor him right at the start of the meeting. I mean, why do they not want this guy to speak? What are they afraid of? Right? I always ask myself that question. Why? Why? These are defamations and mal malignancies that are used to censor me to prevent people from listening to the actual things that I'm saying. And I think, ranking member, that we should have a real conversation rather than an 100%. exchange bad hominem attacks. Always have that conversation, right? Always have Thank that, you, Mr. Always Chairman, have that conversation. Like it's, uh, it's important to have a conversation. Um, that's how you get shit done. You know, that's how, that's how things get done.
Miss Stefanik, I believe, is the next um, person to do some questioning. Uh, Here we go. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Ms. Morris, isn't it true that your October 2020 Hunter Biden laptop from Hell story has proven to be 100% factually accurate? I was 27 when I published that story. 27. Better have been. Wow. Isn't it true that the FBI obtained Hunter Biden's laptop a full 10 months before your story broke? That's correct, according to the subpoena that I published. Isn't it also true that we now know that the FBI's Foreign Influence Task Force coerced social media companies into an alleged forthcoming Russian, quote, hack and leak operation, and as a result, illegally censored the Hunter Biden laptop story? Isn't that true? Yes. And this forced censorship by government agencies like the FBI was paid for by the taxpayer since the taxpayers fund the FBI. Isn't that true? Yes. And Hunter Biden's laptop from hell, it has everything. It's a hellhole and cesspool of corruption and criminal conduct. It has hard drugs, prostitution, pornography, money laundering. It has Biden family shell companies, communist Chinese, corrupt foreign government deals from tens of millions of dollars in exchange for access to the Biden family. The Hunter Biden laptop from hell has all of this, correct? Yeah. And the American people are smart. They know that this was not a hack and dump. This was illegal government censorship to protect and prop up Joe Biden on the eve of the 2020 election. And according to polling, of people who were now made aware of the Hunter Biden laptop story, 53% would have changed their vote, including 61% of Democrats. So do you agree that the censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop story was determinative in the 2020 election, Ms. Morris? Yeah, there are various polls that say that um, that there would have been a change in the outcome of the election, and obviously it's immediately relevant to a decision on who to vote for, so obviously. And do you believe that this government censorship was election interference? Yes. Any, any censorship of speech prevents um, your ability to think clearly. Yes, 100%. And Mr. Kennedy, I want to turn to you. You've heard me lay out this example of egregious and illegal government censorship. You have been censored yourself. Do you believe that government censorship is a form of election interference? I think think democracy is dependent on the free flow of information. And if if that information is distorted, if the public is lied to, then it interferes with election. And by the way, it interferes with public health. And the Wall Street Journal did an article a couple of weeks ago suggesting that the censorship of important health information cost American lives. And Mr. Kennedy, I want to ask you specifically about the Hunter Biden laptop story. The total blackout on all social media outlets as well as telecom, you couldn't text the link to the Hunter Biden laptop story. This specifically was a form of election interference by the U.S. government in the 2020 election. I don't know enough about it. I know that. Uh, There was censorship on that story and other stories that, uh, you know, presumably um, could have changed people's minds about the election. 
And we know the polling demonstrates that now. People have said they would have changed their vote had they been made aware of the Hunter Biden laptop story. Isn't that correct? I am not aware of that, but I'm not surprised. Um, Mr. Sauer, uh, I want to turn to you. Um, you I, I want your reflection on this form of government censorship, specifically in the 2020 election, as a form of election interference, and what I believe is some of the you know, most egregious political scandals that you know, I will live through in my lifetime. Mr. Sauer, what are your reflections? I strongly agree with your characterization of that form of censorship as election interference. Uh, the evidence in our case strongly supports that. Uh, it strongly supports, and actually we have judicial findings now, that the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story was done at the instigation of federal officials in the FBI at a very high level of that organization. It was an orchestrated campaign of de deception that was anticipatory, it was planned in advance, and it was I think uh, consummated with the testimony that I hadn't seen before that's been put up today from Ms. Demlo uh, characterizing how at the very end the FBI then uh, 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 clammed up at the last minute after spending months of seeding the record in these endless ceaseless meetings with social media platforms about there's a hack and dump coming, it's going to involve Hunter Biden then when it actually came they said, well, no comment our, our judge focused on that particular issue as kind of a coup de grace in this form of election interference. Thank you, my time's expired. So that was interesting, a lot of the different things that they had to say um, in regards to censorship. And uh, a lot of these things on this particular hearing you'll never hear on mainstream media. You've probably never heard half of this stuff that I'm, that I'm showing you. But these are the types of things that I watch in my off time. Uh, I love to watch um, the hearings, uh, senatorial hearings, um, House committee hearings. Now, I like to hear stuff right from people's mouths before, A, you don't see it on mainstream media, or B, people get it all mixed up of what people are saying. So, Okay, so the very last video I, I, that I'm going to show, um, almost wrapping that up here today, um, is a few more questions. And um, I think uh, the ranking member there, Plaskett, when she was doing her opening statement, she was uh, basically slamming Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for taking money from somebody. Uh, meanwhile, listen to who she took money from, Plaskett, that is, the ranking member, who she took money from when she was running for office. Listen to this. I have to bring this up, and, and since the, the, the door was opened, uh, you know, I, I'm deeply concerned about the fact that there were FEC reports brought up. Uh, Mr. Kennedy, you acknowledge that you don't know where those came from. Uh, you said that you have no affiliation with those. Uh, that PAC, that super PAC, I believe, um, the ranking member said she was deeply concerned um, about the affiliation. And we seem to have a guilty by association theme going on here. And so I just have to state for the record that I myself am deeply concerned about the affiliation of the convicted sex trafficker, Jeffrey Epstein, of which the ranking member took campaign donation money from. So I think that's the beauty of the First Amendment, <laughs> that we have a right to say what we want to say, but we also have the right to be offended. So I just wanted to point that out, you know, glass houses and all. Our Democrat colleague, Mr. Lynch, opened up the door of what does the impact of the continued narrative of weaponization have on the general public? And I think that's really important because what we have seen 
in the last couple of weeks is irrefutable evidence of the fact that the FBI has not only been systematically working to censor American speech, but they have been facilitating it, and in some cases at the behest of foreign governments. A weaponization report proved that there was a direct connection between the Ukrainian SBU in which that intelligence service was sending spreadsheets of thousands of posts in some cases, posts that were belonging to the United States State Department. And because we know that the Ukrainian SBU is rife with double agents, the FBI wasn't even vetting the posts. They were simply sending them direct to the social media companies saying, please take these down. So now we have an FBI that is not just saying that they're going to fight foreign interference, they're facilitating it at one point even suggesting that they put forward a 24-7 channel where the FBI takes requests from a foreign government and filters it right to the social media company to have those. So <clears throat> that in a nutshell is um, basically what everyone was saying in regards to censorship and the, and the meeting that they had, the House hearing that they had uh, a few weeks ago. When you look at the bigger picture, say to yourself, why are they doing this? Why are they doing what they're doing? Why are they uh, censoring things? Why are they not letting people hear everything? Like here in Canada, we can't hear certain uh, news stories. It's already, it's already filtered. They're already, they're already blocked, right? The government's already blocked it with using Bill C-11. I talked forever about Bill C-11 on my podcast last year, and sure enough, it came to fruition, and here we are in a censorship situation. Uh, here in Canada, um, we're supposed to be a free uh, democratic society, right? Um, it, it's discerning. It, it, it's, it's very concerning as, as well. Um, what's, what's transpired in this country? Um, but why do they want censorship in the States? Why do they want censorship in Canada? Why do they want, not want people to, to hear or, or see um, what is going on uh, in the world? for that matter. Most people, most people are very intelligent. They're highly intelligent. They can figure this shit out for themselves. Just give them the information. They can, they can see through bullshit. People can literally see through bullshit. They can, they hear something, they just go, that doesn't sound right. Sounds like bullshit to me. This is what transpires when the government passes down certain things or certain things you hear on the, on the news media. It just doesn't, you know, pass a smell test so to speak. Anyway, listen, I'm going to wrap things up because it's been a long podcast and uh, I just wanted to show you some of those things from the uh, from that censorship hearing a couple of weeks ago, like I said. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone that's um, subscribed and liked my channel. Um, please subscribe and like it. Hit the little bell and you'll be informed when I post new videos in the future. I can also be found on rumble.com. Uh, some of my uh, videos have been taken down on YouTube and have been censored on YouTube because they don't like certain things that I say, and that's you know that's fine. But I am on Rumble.com. Go there and just type in the Surge Affect with an A, and it's TSA basically, and you will see m my microphone and uh, my logo. Uh, I'm also on any Android or Apple. I'm on Spotify. Like I said, just the Surge Affect, and you will find me there. Um, I'm on Podbean. That's where I post uh, post my my uh, my podcast too. You can find me on there. I'm also on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, 
all the social media feeds as well. But um, like I said, censorship is a terrible thing. Freedom is a great thing. And uh, we all need to stick together uh, and not be divided. We should all come together. Divisiveness is not a good thing. Togetherness in this world is a fantastic thing. So until next time, thanks again for listening to The Surge Effect. And we will see you next time. Have yourself a great day. Cheers. This episode sponsored by He Shirts, She Shirts. Go to www.heshirtsheshirts.ca. Just type in the letters TSA, The Surge Effect. When you check out, type in TSA for your coupon and receive 10% off your next purchase. Thanks for listening to today's podcast, everybody. 